a look behind closed doors, an ear for disregarded topics, a voice for the quiet ones. Up next on Ara City Radio, Francisca explores local matters. Then hello, Francesca Farm. Um, you are a member of the Zentrum für Urbane Gerechtigkeit. Yes. So the Center for Urban Justice. Correct. <laughs> We've already spoken once um, about your campaign. And now, ahead of the municipal elections, you have drafted your political demands for the political parties here in Luxembourg City, the local parties. Yeah. Yes. So we thought this is a key moment a bit in uh, ahead of the communal election. So so first of all, we think that the communes have actually a lot of power in terms of uh, urban planning, also decisions that affect everyday life of people. And I think a second important milestone is that uh, these are the first communal election where everybody can vote, grant, you know, provided that they have registered, but this is no longer subject to restriction in terms of length of residency within the city or nationality, of course. But of course, our demands are not just simply to, for the communal election. I mean, these are the timing of launching them is obviously tied to it. But uh, this is also something that we think it could be valid requests that are to be taken into account for the upcoming national elections uh, in uh, uh, later this year. Your demands um, focus on mobility, on safety in public spaces. You demand for safer crossings, street yeah. crossings, and also safe and comfortable mobility for all. Yes, so our focus has been a bit on mobility because we think the mobility is a, is a hot topic at the moment. But uh, of course, uh, in the broader sense, we also think justice uh, in terms of the repartition of public space can also be interpreted in, uh, in also in a more broader sense. So in, um, as part of our demands, we also have asked for a, you know, a more um, democratic use also of, pu of public spaces. So to give an example, it would be, for instance, to transform potentially, you know, places that are destined for parking that could be actually used uh, for the benefit of uh, actually a majority of, uh, of people that might also not have necessarily a car. But that could be used for, you know, as we have seen in also in other cities as parklets, for example, where, you know, restaurants or even I want to say even the city could actually put more uh, seating spaces, more uh, more greenery as well. And, you know, also mindful of uh, also talking a bit about the use of uh, public space also and more greenery. We can also think about the big heat wave that we had last year, what, where we have also raised the point that uh, more greenery in the city could also be something that could benefit everyone in terms of also reduction of, of temperature in these cases. But then, as you mentioned correctly, and I mean, many of these points also relate to soft mobility because we, we actually think that there is a momentum at the moment in the and throughout the country, but also especially here in the city, uh, where people are more and more using uh, soft mobility and where we think that there is an untapped potential for the city to encourage people to actually walk more, bike more, use more public transportation. But that requires also a bit more courage from a political side to also implement changes, uh, whether, you know, big, big changes, but also small changes that have a 
a significant impact uh, in terms of also making streets safer for those who are more vulnerable users and that would be actually using more, uh, let's say, biking, for example, or walking if actually given the right infrastructure. Yeah, one um, aspect that you have or one point is also the ban of uh, through passing traffic through the neighborhoods. So this ties in with both points, actually, with the safety, but also with um, the space to live, right? Correct, yes. So what we have seen also in other cities is that cutting through, you know, not allowing through traffic through neighborhoods actually first increases the quality of living for the people that actually live in the neighborhood. So neighborhoods are really, let's say, given back to actual residents in terms of also the usage that can be made also of the streets and also the, you know, the frequency of, and in terms of safety, also the re reducing the amount of, uh, of cars that actually pass through the neighborhood with the sole purpose of cutting Uh, away from, let's say, more trafficked street. And this obviously opens uh, opens up for a, a lot of opportunities in terms of, as I said, potentially reutilizing some of the space that currently is destined for cars for other uses that actually everyone could benefit more of. In terms of, obviously, as I said, also reduction of pollution, noise, noise pollution as well, but also uh, making uh, roads also safer in the sense that can we also be more freely used by cyclists and by also by you know pedestrians being able to walk more freely within their 30 kilometer per hour zone because this is also another thing that we we put in our demands is that we we do want more safe i mean safer street but really concretely also safer streets so not just on paper but really where there is for example slow streets We also want them to be effectively slower streets and not just a paper thing that the, that the politicians can actually boast about having made them slower. So how would you make the street effectively slow? I think there is, a, I mean, there are enough, ex I mean, concrete examples that have been utilized by other cities as well. But one, I mean, one of the examples could be, for instance, making, designing the street in a way that it is not a wide straight street but rather a more narrow street that actually is a bit, a bit more of a windy road so that already that slows down naturally uh, incoming incoming traffic another point is obviously making measures to actually reduce traffic so as i said uh, cutting you know avoiding cut through or prohibiting cut through traffic would already reduce the speed because then in a way that would the only people that could pass through these streets would be only people that are living there so not people that are trying to as i said avoid traffic in other main roads and and then of course you know there's also other measures that are that can slow down traffic that can be effective but not super expensive in terms of implementation that could be the the so-called uh, coussin berlinoise so where uh, you know this effectively putting some obstacles also to the cars that would um, actually slow them down we have the, these also within the country so luxembourg city has actually streets also where this uh, is there and is actually working i believe Uh, but there's still not enough of them, of course. Many of your points are tackled or are supposed to be tackled by most 
political parties that have now published their election manifestos for the city of Luxembourg. So there's a lot about many proposals about soft mobility, about increasing safety in the public spaces and reducing traffic. Um, how do you feel? Have Are these topics addressed, sufficiently addressed in the party's ideas? So I think some parties definitely have made the mobility and soft mobility one of the main things in their campaign. Others have also addressed these points. However, I mean, and this is really an apolitical statement, what we really are interested in is also how true their statements really are. Because, for example, when looking at, you know, at uh, Luxembourg City at the moment, uh, the government has been, let's say, in the government for a very long time. So, of course, they definitely had enough political time and also political force to implement changes. And this is what we were also hoping for when we actually launched our safe crossing campaign, where, you know, we were hoping this would have been a small change that could have opened doors for much more incremental and definitely more substantial changes. And what we have seen so far, I mean, at least from the incumbent uh, government, is has been a bit of, I mean, quite significant reluctance into actually improving the, the infrastructure. So... I mean, I think this is also why we put out our statements, because we, we do want to to put out a clear request of what we would like to see from uh, the parties that will end up actually in the government. But also we want to see accountability as well. So what they have promised versus what they have actually delivered. So this, I think, is also a very important point, because in in the beginning of the campaign, anything can be promised in a way. But what actually comes to fruition is a different story. And I think this is also tying a bit with our request, general request of more transparency from uh, public administration, because only through transparency can we actually ensure accountability. Because I think what is, is also very important is that so long that you don't have transparency, it's very difficult to really monitor what the politicians have actually done. They can actually tell whatever they want. And if there's no possibility to really verify it, It's uh, it's almost close to impossible to really then hold them accountable for for things. So the transparency aspect has kind of guided your activities a lot in the last year, at least I think even more. Um, you have fought for the access to documents, certain documents from the administration, and if I'm informed right, you still haven't gotten them, and you're now crowdfunding to pay. A lawyer, right? Yes, that's correct. So we think transparency is a very important point, which is also the reason why we have decided to not give up. So we, we have not received all the documents that we have requested in our freedom of information uh, request. And um, for us, was important was to actually fight this fight also until the very end, because we think that if we do win in court, We will set out a precedent also for any association or any citizen that you know that comes after us and that can also benefit from this uh, this fight. So we have, uh, I mean, legal fees are obviously expensive. So this is why we have launched our crowdfunding campaign. We have been quite happy actually to see that our that this matter is is important for for people enough to actually want to crowdfund our our efforts. 
And uh, there will be also an update soon, at least in terms of, you know, uh, the court date that we will actually have in the end where we will discuss finally uh, and the judge will actually rule on uh, on the matter. Very shortly, um, these documents um, are about not correctly, not uh, legally right constructed um, pedestrian sidewalks or yes. crossovers. Yes, correct. So the, 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 the main point is, uh, let's say it's a more of a detailed point, but still nonetheless very important in our view. So some of the there's guidelines within the that were given by the, the ministry. Uh, in terms of how um, the ideal crosswalk should be built and actually leaving enough visibility space for uh, uh, to ensure also the safety of uh, pedestrians crossing or cyclists crossing. So what we have done is that in our in a very, very short summary is that with our um, safe crossing project, we have actually looked at the crossings within the city and we have actually tried to um, determine which ones actually don't respect these guidelines. And then we were hoping that this would actually, you know, lead to a correction of the the situation. But what has actually this uh, led to is uh, is actually a fight in uh, in who is right and who is wrong. And uh, the for the way that the city has said that we we are wrong is by actually using documentation and data that we have unfortunately not been able to access. So we have been fighting in the spirit of accountability in actually trying to see what is the data and what is the work that the, the city has actually done to to come up with their with their with their numbers. Because uh, a small I think also a small important detail is that uh, you know the the city of Luxembourg has also claimed numbers in terms of also the percentages of uh, zone 30 km per hour streets where they have inflated actually the number of the of the streets that have a 30 km per hour restriction and thankfully thanks to another freedom of information request from our part to which at least they did not fight us too much we were able to actually correct their mistake and it is a significant correction in a way because uh, no matter how you see it You know, there was a there was a substantial differences in numbers between the numbers that were first mentioned by the mayor and actually stated as fact and actually what the real facts were. So thank you, Francesca. Thank you very much. You are still crowdfunding. If people want to support your project for more transparency, your fight for more transparency and your claims for more security, safety in public places, they can find more information on your website, zug.lu. So that's Center für Urbane Gerechtigkeit, the Center for Urban Justice, zug.lu. That was Local Matters with Francisca Peschel every Tuesday to Thursday at 9.40 on RCT Radio, 102.9, 105.2, 87.8 and in our podcast on rscityradio.com. <laughs>